0: It's hard not to be discouraged. All of us face those moments in life where things don't go the way we planned. Most of us, at some point in our life, are going to face those tragic circumstances that literally knock the breath out of us. And some of us face those situations that don't seem to get any better, no matter what we do. Paul was there. His life was spiraling out of control. Here is his resume to this point in his life. Churches where he had led were in chaos. Cities where he had lived, city officials there ran him out of town. His current employment status, none. His current address? A Roman prison cell. No church today would call Paul as their pastor. He couldn't even pass the background check. It would appear that Paul's ministry was finished. But surprisingly, that's not the way Paul saw it. Now, he didn't minimize the harm and the hurt of his situation, but Paul was able to see something else. To look beyond his situation to the power of God. Here's how Paul describes it as he's writing to the church in Philippi. in what we know of as the letters of the Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 17. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me, like Paul, we can find joy in discouragement. Now now God does not minimize our discouragement. He, he doesn't minimize the, the hurt that we feel. God understands that sometimes we hurt, sometimes we hurt deeply. And God not only understands that, He knows that in a way that no one else can. He knows how deeply we hurt even more than we do. He created us. He knows everything about us. And He knows exactly what it means when we hurt. He knew that Paul was hurting. Paul describes his situation in no uncertain terms there in verse 17. He says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Now, the drink offering is something that comes from Numbers chapter 15. It was a common practice in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament and would have been very common in Paul's day as well. It was typically an, an extra offering. It, it was made in addition to the required sacrifices. It was designed to be a, a sign of, of extreme devotion and worship. And, and the worshiper would bring their offering to the, the sacrificial altar and, and it would be. A liquid, a, a drink that would be poured out around the altar. And the symbolism was obvious. Once you've poured it out, it doesn't come back. Once it's poured out, it's completely given to God. And, and that was the symbolism of the, of the sacrifice that the individual making that drink offering was saying to God, I am giving myself entirely totally to you, completely devoted to my Savior and Lord. Once poured out, there was no going back. Well, Paul sees his current situation in just those kinds of terms. He realized exactly what it was he was facing. Being in prison was, was bad enough, but not knowing what was going to happen next was far worse. He was completely at the mercy of the Roman officials. At any moment, the order for his execution could come through and there would be nothing he could do about it. It's not hard to imagine the discouragement Paul must have felt there alone, abandoned by his friends, imprisoned in what must have been horrific circumstances, And not knowing if the next morning when he woke up, it would be his last. It's part of the reason why he writes the letter to the Philippians. According to chapter 4, verse 10, Paul describes how the Philippians had sent gifts to assist him through his difficulties. A Roman prisoner was was often dependent on the people on the outside for everything. For, for the clothes that they would wear, for, for a blanket to, to lay upon, sometimes even for food to eat. They had to depend on someone to bring it in. The Roman soldiers weren't going to give them anything. The basic necessities of life were were something that that Paul couldn't do for himself. He had to depend on somebody to bring it to him. And the Philippians had done that for him. They had brought supplies for him there in prison. And he writes how how tremendously grateful he is for for their gift to him, for their taking care of him in his certain circumstances. Paul realized the depth of his situation. Imprisoned with with no way to defend himself himself. No way to know what that day was going to bring. He compares himself to a drink offering being poured out on the ground around the altar. There was no going back. He would never be able to get back the days that had been robbed away from him as he had sat there in that prison cell. He could not affect the decision whether he would live or die. He saw himself as being poured out. Nothing left. The last hurrah. No way around it. Things for Paul were bleak. We've all used it. Those of us who've been around church for any length of time. What we sometimes call the Sunday school answer. That's the answer that sounds really good in a group Bible study situation. But in real life. It just doesn't really fit. It's kind of one of those one-size-fits-all mentality. And, and most people respond to that kind of an answer in the same way. They, they smile and they say, well, well, thank you. And walk away thinking, well, you don't understand my situation. You don't know how bad it really is what I'm going through. The temptation is to think that God doesn't understand how bad it really is for us. We read the Bible. There are words of encouragement and hope. but, But sometimes we're tempted to think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. It doesn't really apply to my situation. God just doesn't understand. And that would be a mistake. Just think about Paul. He knew exactly what it was to hurt, to be hungry, to face a completely unknown future. He doesn't make light of his circumstance. He explains it with this extraordinarily severe metaphor of a drink offering being poured out before the the altar. That's how he felt. He'd been completely poured out. He'd given it all. There was nothing left. And he realized that at any moment, that description could be a reality. His earthly life could come to an end. And yet, in the midst of that kind of desperation, Paul finds joy. How does that happen? And even more importantly, How could that happen for us? That's the great truth in this passage of Scripture. Even in the midst of the most difficult circumstance, we can find joy. Now again, Paul admits how desperate his circumstance is, how difficult things are. He does not in any way make light of what he's going through or what we go through either. But in the midst of that description, in the midst of that despair, suddenly his description takes this incredible turn. Listen to it again. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now first, Paul takes the focus off what we might expect the focus to be. Now doesn't minimize the extent or the desperation of his situation. It's simply that he realizes something that is of far greater significance. Actually several things. First, he acknowledges the service coming from your faith. Now, in the sacrificial system, the sacrifice obviously was the central part of that exercise. The drink offering would have been considered secondary. The, the original sacrifice, the thing you came to the temple bringing, whether it was your, your animal or your grain offering or, or whatever it might have been, that would have been the focus of the, the worship time. The drink offering was something that was kind of an, an add-on, if you will. Paul sees the faith of the Philippians in a similar kind of way. And he reverses it. Instead of the drink offering, which now he identifies with their, their, their faith and their, their service their, their service that they brought to him in the Lord... Instead of being secondary, he sees that as the main thing. That's where his focus goes. It's far more significant than his suffering. And that's how Paul could rejoice even in the midst of his despair. He saw what was really important even in that situation. The continued faith and service of the Philippians. Their worship for Christ meant that the message of the Gospel was going to continue even if Paul's earthly life did not. And that brought him joy. Even a Roman executioner could not stop the spread of the Gospel. And so Paul rejoices Now, he could have chosen to focus on the despair of his situation. He could have. It was a horrible situation. But that's not where Paul chose to focus. Instead, he chooses to focus on the joy of Christ being magnified. And he invites the Philippians to do the same. He says, be glad and rejoice with me when we were in Taipei, Taiwan, working with Jacob and Sarah Franklin a few years back, they told us the world's second tallest building was just a few blocks away. Wouldn't have known it by me. Because every day it was so overcast that all we could see was gray. And then one day, the clouds parted, the sun came out, and so did Type A 101. That's the name of this building. It's named after the number of floors that it has. 101 stories tall. You couldn't miss it. Except we almost did. Life can be a little bit like that. The clouds roll in, and all that we see is the gray. The hurt and the despair and the problems of life cloud our vision. It certainly could have been that way for Paul. But faith allowed him to see something that had been there all along. Christ was there. For Paul, that was evidenced by the lived-out faith that he saw in the Philippian believers. No wonder He chooses to rejoice. And that's the thing. We get to make the choice. The clouds are going to roll in in our lives. It's going to happen. You can guarantee it. But don't forget, Jesus is still there. If you need evidence of that, just look around, and you, like Paul, will see lives of faith lived out around us, reminding us, in the same way they reminded Paul, of the reality of the power of Christ, that Jesus is still at work, that Jesus is still here, and we can rely on Him. What we need to do is to focus on that. Sitting there in that prison cell, Paul could have focused on his situation. He could have focused on the hunger gnawing at his stomach. He could have focused at the the cold biting at his skin. He could have focused at the fear of, of what was possibly going to happen to him. He could have focused on any of those things, but Paul made a decision. He decided, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on Jesus. Now, he doesn't minimize the difficulty of his circumstance. He doesn't minimize how hard and how difficult and how tragic what he's going through is. He simply chooses to focus on something else. What a lesson for us to learn. Because we get to make that same choice. We're going to face discouragement in life. We're going to have clouds roll in. We're going to have difficulties that will cloud our sight. They will hurt us. They will, they will cause us desperation. That's going to happen. It always does in this sin-sick world. But we get to make a choice. We can focus on that. Or we can focus on the reality of Christ. Even in those days when we can't see it, even in those days when the clouds have have socked us in, even in those days when the desperation is weighing heavy upon us, we can know. I know that I can't physically see it. I know I don't feel it right now. But Jesus is still here. He's promised he would be here and he's never failed his promise. And look, I can see evidence of His presence all around me. I see people who are living for Christ. I see people whose lives are being transformed by the Gospel. I see all the ways that Jesus is at work. I know He's here. That's where I'm going to focus. Because that's where our joy is. So the question for us is, what? Will we choose as our focus? Heavenly Father, sometimes it is hard. In a life that is filled with despair and and hurt and heartache, it is so hard sometimes not to focus on that. And you understand, you understand heartache and hurt and hunger and fear and All of those kinds of things that we go through, you you know what that's like. But God, don't let those things cloud our vision. Help us to know that even in those days when we don't feel like it, you're still there. Even in those days when we have hurt and heartache that have crept into our experience, you have not abandoned us. And if we look, we can see evidence of that. So God, help us to focus on You. Help us to to look for that evidence of ways You're at work, even in those hard times of our life. Help us to look for those those ways that, that Your hand is displaying Your power. And then, Heavenly Father, help us to focus on You. Because that's where our joy is. Help us to realize that today in Jesus' name. Amen.